You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the American Bar Association's annual meeting in Chicago, Illinois. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. And joining me now, I have Mr. Joseph Yastro. Welcome to the show. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So uh, before we get started on this very interesting topic, I, I just want to, you know, for our audience uh, to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, where do you work and what do you do? I work with a firm called Laner Mution in Chicago. We're a 45-person labor and employment law boutique. Um, we represent employers in all labor relations matters. I'm the president of the firm, and I joined the firm in 1981. Great. So I brought you down to talk about your presentation today. So it was titled, The Employment Law Implications of Medical Marijuana. Correct. Good. I, I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> so since you're here and uh, we weren't able to get some of your other panelists here, uh, could you give us the 50,000-foot view of what that's about? The, the purpose of the program was to try to give people an understanding of the de- recent developments in the marijuana laws that uh, affect the workplace, the, mo- most particularly various laws that allow people to legally use marijuana for medical reasons pursuant to some state licensing programs, um, or in a few cases um, where recreational use is, is permitted, how that impacts issues in the workplace. Yeah, so obviously marijuana is kind of a tricky, tricky subject because it's still banned well, under federal law. Correct. So making it illegal under federal law in all 50 of our states everywhere in the United States. Correct. And so, but, but we also have a, well, it's more than a handful of states now that are in some ways at the state level only, legalizing it. And in some ways, it's, it starts at decriminalization. And then we start getting into some licensing uh, scenarios where businesses can transact. And there's, uh, you know, obviously tax for tax purposes. There's reporting and things like that. So it gets pretty involved. And it, so we're from Denver, Colorado. Uh, Legal Talk Network's based out of Denver, Colorado. So we're one of the states that has a pretty interesting model for that. And as a result, we've seen big growth in marijuana, both recreational and uh, medical. And so help connect the dots on this. I mean, this is still banned and you've got employers that I think do their best to follow the rules. Most of them do anyway. Obviously there's some exceptions to the rule. And so they look at a banned substance like this and they're like, we can't have it, you know, but you know, it has medicinal value for some people and it's obviously got recreational value for, for people. So help connect the dots on that for me. Well, I think what you have to kind of do is if you look at it as any other medicine, prescription drug, which in the cases that we're talking about, primarily that's what we're, we're dealing with. And that's primarily what the state laws focus on. There are 24 states that have these laws plus the District of Columbia. Nevertheless, and, I, and the obvious intent was to not exclude people from the workplace solely on the basis of their being part of these programs for medicinal marijuana. Nevertheless, with the federal law, and the fact that the, the substance is unlawful under federal law, it seems to thus far have canceled out what would have been logically the legislative intent of the state law. So you mentioned Colorado. That's one of the leading areas, not just for the use of marijuana, but the leading case on the subject, uh, the Coates versus Dish Network case. That's right. Pretty recent. Uh, Colorado Supreme Court, I think it was June 15th. There's a situation where you had a quadriplegic vet who was um, fired 
for failing a random drug test because he tested positive for marijuana. He was a card holder, so there's no question that he was using for legitimate medicinal purposes. Um, and Colorado, like a number of other states, including Illinois, has a lawful activities statute, which allows people or protects people who engage in a lawful activity outside the workplace from being terminated on that basis. Smoking would be an example. Okay. So this guy, his case came up under the lawful activity because he was lawfully using it. And nevertheless, Colorado Supreme Court upholds his termination because the Federal Controlled Substances Act makes it illegal. And the Colorado lawful activity statute, to be a lawful activity, it has to be lawful not only within the state, but under federal law. Okay, so without getting into my personal views on this, I'm going to leave that out. Uh, let that be a mystery for our audience. I'm going to throw a humongous monkey wrench at you and let you comment on it. So playing devil's advocate here. Yep. So um, you say that he was lawfully using mer- medical marijuana for medicinal purposes, right? In the eyes of Colorado. Correct. And so I guess that's that's the, really the issue. It, yes, according to the laws of Colorado, but the federal laws also, you know, they trump here. You know, they're everywhere. And so from that perspective, he's not lawfully using it. And I understand because it's a tough place for citizens to be in. You have your state government saying it's okay, and you have your federal government, which isn't around. It's always around us, but it's not there, you know, local governance, and it's saying no. And so I think people get a lot of cross, uh, a lot of mixed messages here. And so, and here's the other one. There are alternatives. And uh, I'm not saying that the, the alternatives are as good. I'm not going to comment on that, but there are alternatives. So I want to open the floor and let you comment on my, uh, on my, uh, on my devil's advocacy there. Well, first of all, let's take an example that's close to home, who I won't name, happens to live in Colorado, happens to be a raging insomniac, and as a result of her utilizing pot brownies daily, she take, she eats one every night after dinner, it helps her sleep and it works perfectly. Now, if she goes and applies for a job the next day or within a week, she's going to test positive for marijuana. And yet she's only using it for a fairly narrow purpose. She's not under the influence to the point where she couldn't do her job or whatever, but she would be called out. Here's an example that's being used as, as a drug under you know doctor's supervision. And not to sound like a, a wimp because I'm management side lawyer. <laughs> I mean, you know, it doesn't make any sense. If, if the state was trying to protect those people, which what else was that statute for? then how does the Colorado Supreme Court turn around and say, no, the federal law trumps? And to be honest with you, I read the Controlled Substances Act forward and backwards in preparation for this panel. I hadn't had the pleasure before. (laughs) I then directed one of my clerks to read it for me to make sure. that, And it doesn't expressly prohibit mere use, at least not the way I read it. So I think there's a lot of interesting little arguments there. Interesting, interesting. Um, But... For whatever reason, thus far, the courts seem to be letting the federal law prevail. And so then I'm not sure what the real purpose of these state laws is because it basically cuts everybody out. All right. Let me let me ask a, a kind of a loaded question. So, you know, be it that, you know, states have absolutely no authority to tell the federal government, how, you know, with this law, they, they don't have the authority to, to just legalize it on behalf of the federal government. Do you think that states that pass laws that fly right directly in the face of a, fed, a long-held federal policy, federal law, do you think that's responsible governance at the state level? Probably not. But, you know, you got to remember in this area, the federal government isn't enforcing the law against 
people that possess small amounts of marijuana anyway. In fact, I believe, I don't pretend to be a complete expert on this, but I believe the Obama administration has directed, you know, their team not, not to, uh, you know, bother with those kind of things. So it's kind of a little bit disingenuous, the fact that we're not even really enforcing these laws. And I, again, from reading the law and thinking of when it was passed and what it's doing now, I'm not sure there was any real intent to preempt every state in this area any more than it would be when it comes to laws about um, alcohol. Okay. And here's a question for you, too. And this is my understanding, you know, kind of based on my reading and research. And we've done some shows on uh, marijuana, obviously, in Colorado and the businesses thereof. And so, um, you know, uh, President Obama deciding not to enforce and you talk about the Cole Memo and all of these these uh, you know, sort of not even, not even restrictions, not really orders. It's just sort of priorities, resetting priorities. Right. And so for me, I, I look at that and I see, you know, my fellow Coloradans out there building businesses, investing large sums of money into something that they could go to jail for decades based on, hey, we're going to look the other way. There's nothing enforced. There's nothing to stop the DEA from coming in. And I, that terrifies me. Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they can come in anytime. They don't have to listen. You know, they don't have to listen to the attorney general. They don't have to listen to the president. They operate on their own, correct? Well, I believe, and, and again, this wasn't the focal point of our, you know, presentation, and, and it's not I, an area of expertise for me beyond the employment field. But I believe that the, the Controlled Substances Act has, you know, separate um, statutory scheme for dispensaries and medical use and so forth. And I think that people are properly licensed to, you know, engage in that sort of activity are not doing anything illegal provided they're, you know, they're uh, doing what the statute requires them to do in terms of the handling, the use, the various other requirements that are in the statutory scheme. Okay. So, so it's not per se illegal if they're doing it that way. Okay. Well, listen, I know you have to get going, so uh, I know we're running out of time for our show today, but I did want to offer our listeners an opportunity to get in touch with you if they have questions about what you talked about here at ABA annual meeting and tap into your expertise. So, so how can they reach you? As again, I said, the firm is Laner Mution in Chicago, and probably the best way if they want to do that is to email me at jastro, Y-A-S-T-R-O-W, at Laner, L-A-N-E-R, Mution, M-U-C-H-I-N, Dot com and we can provide them with a copy of the paper that we delivered today, or it's also available on the ABA website from the program. Excellent. Well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 